right, everybody, we're back with yet another commission podcast. This one commissioned by Anthony Basish. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. At least he's never corrected me. Or if he has, I've forgotten it in the inimitable way that Aaron sometimes does. Especially the way Aaron sometimes refers to himself in the third third uh, person. I've I've been I've I've watched I've watched uh, too much Mad Max and I'm gotten I'm I'm full on humongousing. Uh, so so he wanted us to watch the 1981. A classic, action movie classic, Mm -hmm. uh, Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. I think it's fair to call this classic. Yeah, and this movie was off my radar, and so we have to kind of unpack a little bit about our our history, as we sometimes do, frequently do in these these commercial, yeah, not commercial, the commission podcasts. Well, it is commerce. Sure. It is, it is, (laughs) it is trade. So, uh, you and I are big fans of 80s badass action movies. Oh, hell yeah. Like if you've listened to our old Blue Yonder cast, we uh we came up with our own scale of how to judge, like how to rank these these mm-hmm. guys. And you know, Mel Gibson was one we didn't have a lot of uh you know information on. Like we'd seen some Lethal Weapons and you know the you Patriot, know, Braveheart, Braveheart, the Patriot, uh, and and that's kind of like trying to compare Arnold Schwarzenegger. You've only seen his like end of day, post end of days <laughs> career, right? Uh-huh. Like like you're 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 missing out on some of his 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 best work. So we sat down a couple of years ago when we were both living together, and we decided to watch the original Mad Max as we'd not seen any of the Mad Max. Um, I'd seen Beyond Thunderdome like back in the eighties. I've never uh, seen that on either. Betamax, probably even uh-huh. at my cousin's house. Uh, but I don't have a lot of clear memory of it, and it wasn't exactly great. But we watched the first Mad Max, and we were underwhelmed. Yeah, like, I thought that movie was a piece of shit, honestly. it I hated it. Yeah, top to bottom. it's terrible <laughs> pacing. I thought Mel Gibson was flat. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a very Hercules in New York City performance, if we're going to continue the comparison to Arnold Schwarzenegger. The like They didn't have the budget to pull off the post-apocalyptic world that they're trying to do. The motivations kind of felt unclear for characters. For a lot of the same reasons, because Mel Gibson seemed like he just didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I I I hated it. It was it was boring. Yeah. So it kind of put me off the Mad Max. And then when people when when Fury Road started getting close, we we got all this uh, you know everyone excited and like oh are you so excited? And I'm like I could care less, man. Uh huh. And it incensed some of our audience. Uh, and I just mentioned that we'd seen Mad Max. I think this is the genesis. Uh, the Anthony's like you guys. You guys have to see the Road Warrior because if you don't like the Road Warrior, then I don't. I don't know what to do uh, about you. This is directed by George Miller. Like all of the Mad Maxes, that's the other thing I thought was yep. super impressive. That this guy came exploding back on the scene with this balls of the wall action movie in 2015. Uh, I ended up seeing it in the theater and was blown away. Hmm. Like, yeah, I haven't seen it. So. But yeah, I mean, it's just one of the craziest action films I've ever seen. It's literally one long unbroken. Well, it, it's broken by about ten minutes, but it's a long unbroken chase scene, which is crazy. Like I've never seen characters like that. Um, it's just awesome. So I kind of got re excited for like, okay, well, maybe maybe the road warrior is going to be good. What is your opinion on this film, Jim? Uh, I actually like this a lot. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting, I was expecting to go into it and be like, you know what, this is just like Mad Max and fuck this movie. There's nothing interesting about it. But I came out of it thinking, man, that was a, a, a hell of a lot better movie, period, than the Mad night Max. Night and day. And B, 
that chase scene at the end is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I think it holds up even to this day. Like, I When you look at stuff, you know, back then, all they could do really to heighten the chase scene was speed up the film. Right. And I don't even know if I saw any of that in this movie. The practical stuff. I think they're driving effects. really fucking this fast. This is an 80. I mean, so that's the interesting thing in The Road Warrior is um, the effects work and the practical stuff that they did were mixed together so seamlessly that, you know, it's still impressive. But in 2015, you're always thinking, okay, well, a lot of this stuff that's crazy is digital. 1981, mm-hmm. this stuff is really happening. Yeah. And it people are jumping from this car to this truck. You it know? holds up like a champ in the same way that like um, the chase scene from Indiana, the first Indiana Jones, where he's drugged behind the truck. And yeah, he, like uh, that, the way that holds up because it's real, like mm-hmm. the way like the chariot race and Ben Hur hold, uh, holds up. It's spectacle. Like mm-hmm. you just set up a camera and you're filming this real shit happening. People might have died. Like, Maybe. You know, someone might have gotten run over. You don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it made it on the film. I, after we got done watching this, I started thinking about the other 80s action movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it's my favorite, but it might be one of the top one or two that actually holds up like a champ. Let me let me let's of all the eighties action. I don't all right, know, let, man. let's 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 uh, let's play a game here. All right. um, I've got. I, I did a search for eighties action movies, all and right. I've got a little list. Better or worse than? Is that what we're gonna do? Not. Okay, I, I hate to say better or worse because we're gonna be talking about true classics here. Yeah, but like, does it hold up? And and is it still interesting in the modern day? Nineteen eighty eight's Die Hard. Better? Hell yes. Or, better uh, than World Warrior? Yes. Yes. Without a doubt in my mind. But uh, so I'm I'm tainted by nostalgia here, right? Okay, sure. There's very little I can do to go back and say if I hadn't seen this when I was a teenager, would it be as interesting? Man, I don't know. I think that it is at least as good. Uh Rambo First Blood. This is the first one. Well, it's not even Rambo, it's just oh, first man. blood. I mean, that's a better movie. Like it has a better plot and a better surprisingly uh, good like the, the original first, rambo is fucking first blood is an amazing it's like almost a sin to call it an action movie if you've only ever seen rambo's two through whatever yeah and you think that rambo one is anything like that first blood is anything like that sure. movie you're dead wrong sure <laughs> it's like trying to compare the first two rockies if you've only seen rocky four yeah yeah uh predator 1987 predator man that is like the classic right that's but I think if you're talking about holding up to modern audiences, I think Road Warrior is more successful, which I know is heresy. I love Arnold. This is one of his best films, but there is some cheesy eh. bullshit that I don't think is as distracting in the Road Warrior. Like, you know, some some of the, the, the muscly guy stuff and the one-liners and things like that. I mean, there's some muscly guy bullshit in Road Warrior, too. Yeah, the villains, sure. Yeah, the we'll villains are complete bullshit, in my opinion. But okay, so you're not going to give Predator is better. No. Uh, Indiana Jones? No, come on. Come okay. on. That's yeah, the Indiana ultimate Jones. classic. Indiana Jones better. Commando? Fuck yeah, this, this is, is way better, better than, than Commando. Commando. Yep. Commando's actually and you have, quietly a mess. And you have a ridiculous villain dressed in ridiculous clothes well, that's, in Commando. But also one that I do not believe could possibly challenge the, yes. the hero. I, I believe in Humongous way more humongous, than the fucking mesh Humongous shirted. needs to be the, the, the villain in Commando, and then we'd have something. Yes. Or even Wex, for God's sakes. Uh-huh. The Terminator. 
come on. I'm, I'm well. Terminator One is not nearly as good as Terminator I'm, Two. I'm telling, and if you've watched it, it's uh-huh. kind of rough in places. There, like, there are rough spots. The yeah. love scene. I don't. I've blocked that out of my memory <laughs> for good reason. Uh, this is probably better than the original Terminator. Way better, and that that's an '84, '85 Rambo First Blood Part Two. Way better. Way better. Yep. Aliens. Not as good. Not as good. Ooh. Aliens, plural yes. or alien? No, I'm talking aliens. Aliens is a fucking awesome movie. It is a fucking opinion. awesome movie, but so is the Road Warrior. That's my point. I think Aliens is better. Hmm. Interesting. Lethal. The uh, first Lethal Weapon, eighty-seven. Damn. Damn. Also a Mel Gibson joint. It's wow. I don't know. I'm going to defer to you. What do you think on this one? I think it's better. Although I need to see Lethal Weapon again. Fuck. I find Lethal Weapon's more fun. Is it? Yeah. Man, I thought this movie was tons of fun. There there's no well, I don't know. There is some comedy in this movie too. A little, little bit with the dog and the feral boy. kid. Yeah. yeah. Which we'll 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 get to. Uh man. I don't know. All right. Well that's a toss up. Empire uh Star uh Empire Strikes Back. Come that's on. yeah, no, yeah, it's it's <laughs> fucking the best. Uh Robocop. It's better than Robocop. I just watched Robocop. It's better you than know, Robocop. You know, okay, so this is an interesting comparison because they're both two like dystopian future sort of things. I find the I find it a bold choice future... for Detroit to go for that dystopian future rather than try to steer yeah, around it. It's yeah. just full on. Yeah, they need to just have Robocop as their mask. I'm ready for New Detroit. <laughs> Me too. Uh but I, I like the Robocop dystopian future more. Um than the dystopian future we see in this. I think it's more plausible. I think it's more interesting, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, and I, I like the extreme violence and the tone of RoboCop a little bit more. But I'm not certain it's a better movie. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to stop here because the fact that this is not getting laughed out of fairly lofty competition yeah. is my point. Like, mm-hmm. I have, was not prepared for, number one, how awesome it is and how much it holds up from a modern standpoint in a way that the original Mad Max just completely fails at. Um, and, I mean, I would also compare it to other car chase movies, you know, like Mad Mad Max is on par with anything that you've seen in a car chase film. Sure. Like I, my, my favorites are like the car chase scene from bullet, which sure. I mean, you can got, you kind of get a Steve McQueen vibe from Mel Gibson in this film yeah, a, little a little bit. bit. Like a little dangerous, way serious, uh, doesn't say a whole lot, that sort of thing. Also, like Death Proof, um, mm. which was the one half of Grindhouse, right? Uh, came back, came out like 2007 or something. Uh, that's a hell of a chase scene as well. And I, wanna, I feel like this is right up there with the best chase scenes. You got to see Fury Road because, yeah. I plan to. I just didn't get you. To, the to my mind, that uh, if you take the last act of this movie and you stretch it out for an entire movie length, that's what you get with with Fury Road. Okay, cool. Uh, I hear there are a lot more special effects, though. Sure, like, but nothing. CG. But but not like you think. Like there's one like obvious CG where they go through this electrical storm, death <laughs> dust storm. Okay, um, but it's it's like it. You know, it, it's obvious CG, but it's also really awesome. Like, mm-hmm. there is um, – I actually saw a YouTube video where they're showing, like, how much and how the CG was used in the movie. And it is very unobtrusive and less pervasive than you would think. Okay. But also, like, you know, they do a lot to to make the vistas. Like, there's a lot of kind of fa- fairly barren road here. 
mm-hmm. that in Fury Road would have canyons and boulders and like really all, you know, uh, like like okay. they digitally add more impressive vistas where here they're just working with desert road. Yeah. Um, but it also so like I thought it, in Fury Road, the other thing that's interesting is Mad Max is kind of like a minor character. Mm hmm. Uh, and Tom Hardy's performance was kind of bizarre to me because he's got like these insect movements or these kind of like hmm. he's more animal than kind of man. And I thought that now that I've seen the Road Warrior, it makes sense because Mel Gibson has got this animal but almost childlike intensity to him. Okay. Like there's a scene yeah. where he's looking at this music box um, or he, I, I think him and the gyrocopter guy were on this bluff kind of overlooking thing. And he just has this kind of like the way he moves his head is like, this guy's not all there, but he, or, but, but he's mm-hmm. like his, the layers of humanity have been stripped from him. And he's just left with this kind of like almost reflexive, like he's, he's intense and he notices everything, but, but in a, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm really flailing here. I mean, it makes sense given what he's been through in the original Mad Max, right? Yeah. Like, he and, saw a lot of shit. And you can extrapolate what he's done in the meantime. Yeah. But, like, you know, like, you can have, like, a Jason Bourne, who is another type of intense, very intelligent character. Mm. Mel Gibson is kind of doing his own thing here. They could quickly slip into parody. But it's, like, and I, I feel like maybe that's what the fair, the point of the feral kid was, that Mel Gibson, that, that Mad Max has turned into a, a feral adult. Hmm. Yeah, you know, watching this movie, I wasn't reading very much into the ideas behind it. Hmm. I was viewing it more as just pure entertainment and not something with any kind of commentary to it. Well, like I said, I'm not saying that there's a lot of commentary. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that the performance, the the character, the the, the particular type of anti-hero that they were trying to build here mm-hmm. is kind of a unique creation. And I really respect what Mel Gibson was doing here. Um yeah, and also, me a lot I, like... it, it, it made like I want to see Fury Road again so I can compare and contrast Tom Hardy with it, because I think that Tom Hardy did an excellent job at stepping into these shoes. OK, I, I, when I view Mad Max, I kind of see like this Western character. Sure. Like this old Western, you know, he's a strong, silent type. He uh, has a sense of right and wrong, although that's not played with much here. You know, at the beginning, he's literally just there to get gas. Like, well, I'm going to do a trade. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. I don't care what you people are. I don't about. know, because I kind of think that that's in all the Mad Maxes I've seen uh, that, that I actually cared for Road Warrior and Fury Road, that Mad Max never does the right thing because it's the right thing. He does it because he needs to survive. And like that starts well, to this... change at the very last act of the film. Yes. But there's several points where like he would have fucked these guys over. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. At some point that turns around, though. At the yeah. end of the movie, what he does is altruistic. Right. And Anthony sent us a lot of background information about the Western ties. To, in fact, um, I guess he's referred to as the man with no name and Thunderdome, which come okay. on. That's sure. that's straight out of Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah. The that, that the uh, fistful trilogy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this movie is so good to completely retextualize another movie that I really liked, which is Fury Road, uh, and made hmm. it even better. Uh, I want to talk about the dog. Okay. That I found it really amazing the performance they got out of this dog without <laughs> any kind of way to manipulate them in a CGI manner. Ah, uh, they put peanut butter on the roof of his mouth and. <laughs> 
Uh, just put some subtitles. Some in of there. the looks that they exchanged. <laughs> I mean, this animal is a fully realized character. Um, yeah. And you know, it's it's hard to fuck up dogs when you put them in movies because they're just kind of hams themselves. But um, I liked it. Uh, it. It. I'm trying to think of another movie that had a prominent dog or a, a, a animal character role where the animal doesn't kind of just take it over. Uh, maybe I Am Legend. Ooh, good call. That, that was pretty good with the dog and Will Smith and their relationship. Right. Because that's the they other thing. Like, like you know, that's, that's an you know? old Hollywoodism. Like, never work with animals or children because they'll steal the show. They'll steal the show. And the, uh-huh. you, you're right. Like, it takes a really, really strong script and, and actor presence to keep that from happening. And I think you get, you know, a, a Mel Gibson. And it, it has a similar vibe, right? That relationship between Will Smith and his dog and Mel Gibson and his dog. Yeah. It's like. This is post apocalyptic. Watching each other's back. They're, they're kind of like they're both true loners, and they're finding companionship with these dogs, and they're, they're kind of the crazy cat ladies of the apocalypse, right? <laughs> they're the crazy dog gentlemen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned because I want to talk about the post apocalyptic setting because uh, Anthony said in his notes that um, it's both original and highly influential, but it doesn't come out of a vacuum. Uh, He notes in 1975, a film called a boy and his dog came out starring Don Johnson, which takes place in a similar type of wasteland after world war four also includes as the title of the movie might indicate a dog. (laughs) Okay. But I think this is a case where seeing this movie made me realize how much other movies and especially video games. There's so many video games like borderlands. Oh yeah. Ought yeah. to pay royalties to George Miller for the, <laughs> their look and its aesthetic. I know uh, the last uh, id joint that John Carmack did uh, was that pre- it wasn't prey. It was uh, rage rage. Yeah. Totally owes so much to Mad Max. Yeah. Um, Waterworld. Is Mad yeah. Max on the high seas? Sure, replace the sand with water. Like I think that movie's a bigger piece of shit now because it essentially <laughs> ripped the heart out of this movie. Like it even had a fucking feral kid in it. Yeah, like get the hell out of here with that shit, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in, in in a way that like you know the Matrix was an original and highly influential movie that it eclipsed the source material, like all the anime mm-hmm. and, you know, wire foo movies that came before it, that it drew influences from it then inspired a whole other look. I mean, the matrix changed the look of the movies for it's oh, still yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think that same thing is like you watch the road warrior. It's inescapable to see that. Yes, it probably has roots in its Western and this other movie that I haven't seen, but I'm kind of curious to see now. Mm-hmm. But what it did to transform set the stage for so many others. Like, Absolutely, there's a, yeah. Did you ever play Interstate 76? I did uh, a little bit. A little bit. I played the hell out of that when it came out because it was essentially kind of like a mech warrior game only with muscle cars and machine guns. And it's huh. another one that is totally Mad Max. Yeah. Um, full Throttle. Uh, the Lu- okay. classic LucasArts is another. It's totally Mad Max. You're actually mm-hmm. playing a version of Mad Max and stuff that I didn't even appreciate until I saw this movie. So I kind of think it's. I, I think that Anthony, when providing context, was almost like maybe not giving it enough credit for what it did for this post apocalyptic genre. Oh, yeah. I mean, now that I've seen this, I recognize it in so many other things that. I, I can't see how they wouldn't claim this as an influence. Uh, I also want to talk about a little bit of like random observations I had. Like 
this scene, the setting is really cool, but I don't know if it holds up under scrutiny. For example, the main thing where you've got a refinery that this civilization has, mm-hmm. uh, not a civilization, a, a tribe has taken over and they've got enough scientific knowledge to figure out how it keeps going. Maybe these are the descendants of the people that ran it. Could um, be. But but they're they're pumping oil and they're turning it into gasoline, which I think uh, the show calls guzzoline, which I thought was interesting. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, That's strange. Like yeah, um, and I wondered if that was like a hint at the education level. Like Max mm. pretty consistently t- calls it gasoline. Yeah, but the wasteland scavengers call it guzzoline. Maybe so. So um, anyway, how does the economics of that work? You're under attack day and night. How do you mm-hmm. get food in there? How do you chickens, man? They've got yeah, chickens they did for have days. The chickens. <laughs> just, just, it's a it's a chicken based ecology. Yeah, I mean they're they got to have scurvy by now, right? Where, yeah. where where's their vitamin C coming from? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Although I also heard that like animal meat is a surprisingly good source of vitamins like that. Maybe not vitamin C. Hmm. I don't know. This is fucking with my name because this was you know scurvy. One of my favorite book series of all times, Master and Commander, the Patrick O'Brien series. Mm. Uh, That's something that is dealt with in several books. And I think it's like once you run out of meat and you're down to eating like stale bread and 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 water, that's when scurvy is a big problem because. Yeah. okay, like like you eat the flesh of animals. They have all those vitamin complexes in them but you run out of that and you're fucked anyway uh i did wonder and uh, but but like water water's got to be a problem right right? and anthony alludes to this too because he says in a recent star trek sorry back up in a recent star talk episode neil degrasse tyson spoke of how unlikely a post-apocalyptic mad max scenario uh would be to happen he said it was ridiculous that people would waste gasoline while chasing other people for more gasoline (laughs) I have to disagree with them. I've seen this play out in the days after Hurricane Sandy hit the New York City area. People went batshit crazy with the gas shortage. They're sitting in their cars for hours, letting engines idle away, wasting whatever fuel they had in order for that slight chance to refill. There were even reports of guys trying to siphon gas from other people's cars. It was insane. If that went on any longer than it did, I really felt like we were on the verge of falling into something like that world. I think that's where Neil is talking about. Like, okay... So you're talking about in the days after Hurricane Sandy. Let's talk about weeks and months. Yeah. That behavior doesn't is, – is a zero-sum game. Like I thought that too. Like Mad Max is driving in his high-powered muscle car mm-hmm. and he's got external gate tanks of gas and all that. But you know, you're getting 10, 15 miles to the gallon at best. How much can you drive before you find, you know, a gallon of gasoline? And there's some points where, like, you know, they're like trying to collect gasoline that's dripping and like little plates or even like sucking it off the ground or whatnot. It's like <laughs> that little gas is not going to do anything for you. Yeah. But I think it was a, it was almost an addict angle. I think there was a little social commentary to George Miller's taking, talking about our hmm. addiction to, Oil dependence, and you know, you know, yeah. this movie was not made in a vacuum. This movie was made in like you know, nineteen seventies oil crisis mm-hmm. when OPEC, you know, first started flexing its muscles. And the United States was kind of they did get fucked our whole economy. It changed the way cars were designed. Uh, it made laws be passed. So it's like I feel like a lot of that stuff was not. It's not supposed to be literally like. It, it's more like these guys were heroin junkies chasing the high. Gotcha. More than it was like this is a functional ecosystem that actually works if you think about it for too long. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. 
think that this movie wants you to think about it, uh, about those parts of it for very long at all. It's it's more concerned with entertaining you, and I'm fine right. with that. Right. And I, I, they build on that. I don't know what happens in the Thunderdome, but they build on that in Fury Road where, <laughs> you know, there is a refinery town that's almost like um, – it, it's kind of like, are you familiar with any of the Warhammer 40K lore? Slightly. Where, like, technology is so ancient and it, that they have, like, almost dark priests. Uh-huh. It's a priesthood that maintains it. Okay. Like, that's how I got, like, there. there is these, this dark priesthood that maintains this black smoke spewing gas town that hmm. you have to, like, make a pilgrimage to uh, with yeah. your tanker car to, to bring more gas out. And... and I, I kind of can almost squint and see like the trajectory another 20 years, but past this film when like all these small refinery towns and there's have, have been destroyed that that's, that's how it's, you know, <laughs> there's still like this select priesthood that knows how to refine oil, crude oil. And, yeah. I, I, I imagine like anyone who controlled one of these refineries would just be rich beyond belief. Right? Well, that's, if you can protect it. Sure. Because that's the thing. Like, this group was not large and powerful enough for, to protect it. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, that's another thing they play with in Fury Road. Like, water is just an important resource. And there's one warlord that's set up, and he controlled the water supply. And there's this other, like I said, this kind of like priesthood that, that runs Gastown. Gotcha. Um, but like I said, it's all very symbolic. It's not really, I don't think, supposed to be, you know, just like you're not really supposed to think about how Superman charges his solar radiation cells from the yellow sun versus the red sun. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, you that's comic, too much, comic book science. Yeah, you apply too much thought to it, and roughly any movie world breaks down, right? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the the road warriors, the gangsters in this film. One of the big failures of the first film is that the villains just weren't very interesting. Sure. They really amped that up in this film. You got guys wearing the spiky, <laughs> like, like L.A. Raiders, you know, fan gear. Uh-huh. You got the BDSM assless chaps. The, they're uh, transsexual more, lover type thing. They're more interesting, but they're also just ridiculous. I mean, why? Why are you wearing this stuff? Is it to intimidate? Is it to reflect your personality? Like, what is the point of wearing these heavy leather assless chaps in the middle of the desert? Like, wear some fucking jeans. Yeah. Jeans aren't gone. Well, but like if you so so imagine like right now in our civilization we have motorcycle gangs, uh-huh. and they dress extreme with their leather and their patches and their tattoos and their chains and all this stuff. It's okay. an extreme, but they they are also in, you know, they're still part of the social contract. They live in this civilized first world country. You take street gangs and now you put them in the apocalypse. Uh-huh. They kind of have to do something more extreme, but none of them care about comfort. It's all about. How BDSM can I look? Well, I mean, <laughs> have you ever ridden a motorcycle with assless chaps? Maybe that is the most comfortable way. Have you? <laughs> no, but I've I've read a thousand I've I've rode a thousand miles in jeans, and I will tell them my ass got chapped. <laughs> Maybe if I was like Maybe just ass on the leather, something. that's like the that that Ooh, that's the I most can't imagine that that's better. We're certainly gonna get the airflow going because that's what I found is like you know once you get a little dampness in your in your mm, shorts, yeah, that's you're, the problem. It's, it's hot and you're sweaty, then it's like sure. game over. Uh, yeah, I just I found it real hard to take these guys seriously. I like I took them as a credible threat, but I did not take them 
as human beings seriously. They mm. were a farce to me. Well, like humongous, it seemed like he had evidence of like maybe radiation burns or something. Some so, like, kind of burns, yeah. These people I don't know were also right in the head. Oh, yeah, I'm certain about that. So these you seem like you were a lot more over these guys than I were. I was like, like I couldn't, I thought it was amazing the the a variety of different types that there were like there seemed like there was a lot of rival factions that had band together and this humongous dude yeah i like the fact that they had like these car like they put their victims on these like sacrificial poles and yeah so like that's fucked up if we get in a wreck or we flip over you're going to be the first to die and like if you attack us you're actually shooting through these meat shields yeah no i the the part that i find ridiculous is their attire i don't uh, i don't find them as villains ridiculous i find them as villains fairly intimidating all right i want to bring uh, uh, uh talk uh, about something that anthony although humongous in. is a fucking terrible name really i mean do you need to ask that question <laughs> humongous it's a pretty ridiculous name well like you know sargon he took over the the, 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 he was, also a ridiculous name. Zardoz, also a ridiculous name. No, I mean, name. Sargon was a real dude in history, and his name literally meant the one true king. And he, like, <laughs> took over all of the, what, Sumeria, was it? All right. I don't know. And it's like, you know, warlords do kind of get a little, like, look at Kim mm. Jong-il and his yeah. whole family over there. A little uh, up their own ass with stuff like that. Yeah. They, 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 when no one's around to tell you otherwise, you kind of get a little <laughs> crazy with your, your personal flair. All right. The cult of personality. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he says, this brings me to the costumes. I definitely want your 2015 views here. What do you make of the costumes in this movie? Even fans of the film will tell you how cheesy and outdated the BDSM leather assless chaps yeah. use of football shoulder pads here are. Overall, I love the whole Western trope of dressing the bad guys in black and the good guys in white. In 2015, mm. it probably comes off as a super heavy-handed, but my nostalgic eyes embraced it wholeheartedly. I didn't even get the fact that the good guys were in white. Like yeah. to me, that that translates as Tatooine desert gear. Okay, like that's Bedouin. A guard that's like smart yeah, dressing the sunlight, in, in the yeah keep keep somewhat cool sure but it also works I guess in the good versus evil type stuff too yeah uh, I I thought it was interesting and he also had some thoughts about like whether this is homophobic and I'm kind of sure it is because that's a tr- the the villainous homosexual is like you know you go to TV tropes it's like one of the prominent ones um, yeah but it's also mixed in with what are clearly straight people as well. That's so, why like, like, I don't know that you can pick that out and say this is a thing that he's trying to say here. Yeah, and I'm thinking in 1981, how fucking crazy must this all have looked? Like, it's still oh, pretty yeah, fucking yeah. crazy in 2015. Sure. But, like, I'm thinking of, like, middle American audiences going to see this film and seeing all this stuff. Yeah, outside of gay pride parades, I don't know that I see this stuff ever. And I'm like, like, it's even beyond, like, gay. Like, there's, like... Uh, some transgender stuff thrown in there. Like, oh, is there? I thought so. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe his, uh, was it Wex is the guy who had the... Wes? Wes? Is it Wes is or Wex? Wex? I'm not sure. Uh, who had the kind of blonde guy yeah. riding bitch. But, it, like, I don't know that's like, would he identify as a man? Like, there's a... You know, gender and sexual politics have changed a lot since then. Like, you have a transsexual woman who would have sex with a cisgendered male, and mm-hmm. they would not describe that as a homosexual relationship. I think in this world, there probably is no such thing as transgendered, right? 
what in this the world is there anything required the the yeah that sort of thing to actually change your physical appearance to that point i don't know that that exists in that world but i don't know that because that's the thing like transsexual is something a it's it's you don't need the surgery and the hormones to be transsex. You do to be transgendered, though, right? Uh, do you? I thought that was the definition of it, like, but I'm not certain. I've seen, I've seen guys. I'm sure someone will write. I've in seen and tell guys us. with vaginas that, and I've seen women with penises, and like I, I, I've, I've seen some transgendered people say that like they don't want to take the final step to reassign their actual physical biology biology down there because that's not important to them so like i like i said i'm not even qualified to talk about that but i thought the fact that there is that kind of element in this film is kind of forward thinking yeah i i saw it more as the homosexual thing not mm. the i was gonna say in the desert wasteland is there anything. even a sub su, is is there any is 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 there any concept of homosexuality is it just just sex you know, like, what yeah. does that even mean when you're talking about this post-apocalyptic society? Well, I mean, homosexuality has a definition, which is, uh, you know, being attracted to the same sex. And sex still exists. Like, you have male, okay. you have female. What so I'm going at is like, homosexuality like, must still like Spartan exist. Spartan and Greek culture. where I don't like, know that there's any stigma behind it, sure. Well, I'm saying but, like, like Spartan and, and Greek culture, uh, where an older man would take a young boy to mentor them, and there's also sex involved. Still but they, homosexual. But they didn't consider, they didn't think that as gay. That was just a different aspect of this mentor relationship. I understand that, but by definition, yes, uh, it's still homosexual. All right, all right. This is one of those <laughs> things where it's like, I, can see, I see what you're saying. And I don't want to argue with you about it anymore. So. Okay. I, I don't think it's interesting to listen to. Yeah. Let's no, keep, one, let's, no one's enjoying this discussion anymore. Let's move on. Okay. Um, so he also wants us to talk about Max's sawed-off shotgun. says, I personally think Max mm. popping out of the truck in the last chase scene and shooting the one uh, of the Renegade Motors is the best use of sawed-off shotgun in film history. Hmm. I'd love for you guys to give a better example. I did this challenge to my friends on Facebook, and someone came back with Arnold's use of one in Terminator 2. Yep. Bonus points for the you know one-arm twirling cock oh, mechanism. Yeah. While riding a motorcycle? Hell yeah. <sighs> While Arnold's handling that shotgun is totally badass, I'm still going to give it to Max. For most of the film, that gun is either empty <laughs> or had that dud of a shell loaded in there. When it's finally able to use it in that last scene, the payoff is extraordinary. Hard to argue. Uh, yeah. the Arnold, as I was reading the paragraph, I'm like, what about Arnold in Terminator 2, though? And uh, then he acknowledged it. Ash, Evil Dead series. Boomstick. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I feel was like... Was that sawed off? I felt like certainly an army of darkness it was shot, sawed off. Yeah, it was. Because that it was... was, a, it that was w- only in Army of Darkness, wasn't it? I don't think he had that in Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead did. 2 was basically a remake of Evil Dead 1, which is... A cabin in the woods type movie. No, he definitely had it because when he went back on time, he had the fucking boomstick. When he got sucked in the time portal at the end, yeah, at the I'm pretty very, sure very he had end. it because the other thing is, I mean, I, he doesn't. Yeah. I thought Doom came out before Armies of Darkness, and the double barrel shotgun in Doom Two was cited as as, as that's a straight up Ash hmm. reference. That's the other thing is, I know it's not a movie, but when I think double barrel or when I think of sawed off shotguns, I think of the one in Doom Two. Like okay, it's fucking awesome. It sounded awesome. It's super powerful. The cocking and uh, the reloading am- animation was amazing. Yeah, I still give it to Arnold Terminator Two. I mean that mm. when I think sawed off shotgun, I will say I that I like Anthony's point where the whole movie was coming up to yeah. 
you know, that this thing was looking awesome, but then it was like a paper tiger type of threats. Uh-huh. And then it actually was used to pay off going through all the acts of the movie was was pretty amazing. Yeah, sawed off or shotgun shells just as scarce as gasoline in this world. The, that makes perfect sense. At least ones that don't crumble into dust when you touch them. Sure. Um, she wants to know where Mad Max fits in as a badass, which I guess is like about Mel Gibson. Oh, and I meant to also, yeah, say one of the costumes that probably the only costume that I really thought was awesome and badass was Mel Gibson's costume. I think Mad Max has a really good motorcycle guy. One sleeve missing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I pretty cool. Agreed. And we even talked about like, maybe that's intentional. Like, is that because that was the sleeve that Depending he wouldn't on which be exposed way he's riding. into driving if he's driving yeah. on the wrong side of the like what we as Americans call the wrong side of the cockpit. But I think we determined that it was not right. Yeah, I don't like that wouldn't be the same arm that's like up against the window. Mm. Was it? I thought we didn't. But then I said, but what if they're driving? Are they driving American style cars in this or not? I thought they weren't. No, he's driving an Australian style car. Okay, which and in which case, I think the it was his right arm that was covered, right? So if it was hanging out the window, that it would be shaded from the I sun. I can't remember shit, but I can look up an image while you're okay. talking. So uh, he wants to know where this fits in using our three point badass scale from Blue Yonder. Uh, so okay. just if you don't know, we had we we spent a couple episodes. It's on his left arm, by the way. Trying to think, okay, so then if he's driving an American car, it would work. If he's driving, uh, it wouldn't. Um, yeah. Anyway, it'd give you a really weird tan line. <laughs> it's like the half farmer tan. Yeah. And also, come on. We're in the middle of the fucking desert. It's going to be hot as shit. The sun's going to be blasting you. There's no sunscreen around. No. Humongous is not nearly tan enough. Ooh. Like, those, that BDSM gear is not going to get you very far as, as far as protection from the sun goes. But maybe, like, if, if his... We're supposed to be like burnt across his entire body. Like he scar doesn't tissue doesn't shit. scar tissue doesn't burn too. <laughs> sure. Uh, anyway, what was I saying? Oh yes, the, the we we came up with this th- three C's. Yeah, charisma, character, and uh, it was the, the human specimen, like uh, champion, champion. Yes, because your your buddy Jared coined that term to describe like why Arnold stands above head and shoulders other people because he's a he says he's just a physical champion. Yeah, and like okay, so you can get a per a, a perfect score, which I believe only Arnold holds is I three think C's. So, yeah, you got the charisma, which is like effect is like how you you know how you carry yourself i think maybe stallone he he hit i don't think three short he's short and that's the problem right he's not he's like a 2.9 because he doesn't stack up for uh, to arnold whereas like some lifts like like dwayne de rock johnson is a he's a perfect one on the champion scale Mm -hmm. but his character his characters yeah yeah although he's starting i don't know i I don't want to get into this but anyway (laughs) he had character which is how many badass characters? Like if you, even if you're Tom Cruise and you're five foot three, yeah. If you play badass Jack characters, Reacher you and... have to give them the credit for playing these badass characters. Yep. Uh, you got the charisma, which is this is kind of your dialogue, like like um, like Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis and Die Hard example. is the gold star one point talking. There you go. Not giving a fuck. Yeah. Or just being smooth, you know, like The Rock. So where? So so we gave Mel a two. I okay. think because he's not quite a physical champion, he does have the charisma, mm-hmm. and he and we were kind of not sold on his characters. I'm thinking now he's more. I mean, he was kind of imposing in this movie. 
in a way that yeah. I didn't think of him before. And I'm starting to think maybe I would give him a 2.5. Like, I wouldn't dock him at all for character. His champion is weak. His weak. champion is pretty weak. But is it like... And he's an in-shape guy, but he's not a big built guy. He's what I, tall, I guess. Was was this... So, was Zero a baseline normal dude? Or was Zero like a weakling? That's what I'm like thinking. Zero is probably a weakling. Okay. Uh, if all of your characters are bad and you're a tiny little uh, chubby dude uh-huh. and you can't talk game, right? you're a zero. Yeah. Uh, so in that stands, like, he's, I got to think, he's like a half a badass than a physical champion. He's certainly not ripped Probably and shredded. half, maybe. He's not a Stallone. He's not a Schwarzenegger. Yeah, no, he's not, not a Johnson. Uh, but he's certainly more imposing than Tom Cruise, much more. And oh, the yeah. intensity, which I mm-hmm. guess that's more of a charisma thing. Yeah, he feels more like a loose cannon, honestly. So two point, would you go 2.5? Yeah, I'd say. I'd have to look, because we actually have a spreadsheet about you know where these guys <laughs> uh-huh. skate, so I'd have to look and see where we docked him. I'm sure it's the champion, and also I thought he he had a uh, some some character flaws. What? Mel Gibson has a lot of character flaws. Well, yes, the man himself. This man has got but kind like, of a lot of demons to him and a lot of hor- horrible, yeah. horrible thoughts in his head. Um, but when you you say, okay, so he's Mad Max, he's uh, is William Wallace the character that he plays in Braveheart? Yep. Uh, he's Gabriel, he is whatever. In the Patriot. Yeah, Gabriel, the ghost of the. Uh, he's whoever he is in Signs. Like he's or that Father Gabriel is he Gabriel in that one? I don't know. Uh, but he and he's he has whoever, a lot of he's, badass he's characters. He's the lethal weapon and lethal weapon. I don't remember what his name is. Riggs. Yes. Uh, yes. Riggs. Fucking. I don't know his first name, but last name Riggs. Uh, yeah. He he has a lot of memorable kind of badass characters. You know. Sure. And there's also a lot of like he's played some gangster types in. Sure. Uh, Payback. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking um, of. Yeah. The, Maverick. <laughs> it's interesting to see his career trajectory because, uh-huh. like, you go and you read some of the reviews for The Road Warrior, and uh-huh. they're all like, uh, Max is played by Mel Gibson, an Australian actor known for Jiggly or whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, G- Gallipoli, I think he was in. It's a World and War it, I two flick, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. Gallipoli? When did that, when was that battle? Oh, he also was that, he's also that Vietnam era cavalry guy that. Uh, was that when we when we were heroes? That uh, was another we're badass soldiers. Role. We, yeah. we are soldiers or something, something like, like that. that. That was a badass role too. But all of those, all of the things that you know Mel Gibson for uh-huh. happened after this movie. So sure. all of the reviews are trying to describe who this actor is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This a crazy Australian guy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really funny to see knowing that like from 1985 until 2002 he was a huge staple and then he came on glued because yeah. like passion of the christ came out in 2004 so and he was a big producer behind that so that probably ate up a year or two of his life yeah. then that's when he started getting in trouble because oh yeah you know his anti-semitism came to light he got uh-huh. pulled over drunk driving he went on that tirade about the jews controlling the world and mm-hmm. then he had he that his wife the, yeah, Those phone calls. Some my really God. disturbing, scary, scary stuff, and it seemed like it all stems around some sort of substance abuse. Yeah, I think so. But he's never really recovered from that. No, I wonder if he needs to. I wonder if his career needs to be extended, or if he's good. I don't know. You hope the guy just finds peace because he seems like he's got a lot of. Uh, you know, I felt like you know he had a lot of a lot of this he gets from his dad. 
Because that's what he's at least that's what he said in that. I think it was a Diane Sawyer's interview that like his dad is like a full on crazy Holocaust denier. Wow. And, okay. you know, it's like when you it's hard to if you've never been in a really fucked up upbringing like that, mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, well, you just get new information. It's like ah, some of that shit runs deep, man. Some of that stuff, what it's it does to your hard to escape orbit, especially yeah. if you are blasted out of your mind on drugs or alcohol and you don't have the filter of education and civilization. I'm not excusing any of it. Sure. But like, yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't think he needs to make more awesome movies. I just hope he gets finds a <laughs> peace for Christ's sake. All right. Uh, I saw I saw Get the Gringo, which was OK. And that was a yeah. more recent one. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah. Uh. Would you ever consider picking him up the part of your zombie killing team? Hmm. I'm pretty happy with my team. I can't imagine bumping him for anybody. I feel like maybe the character he plays in The Patriot might be good. Well, you have him. You already have Mel Gibson on your team. As a farmer. As a fucking farmer, And you need a farmer. It's crucial. Uh, But yeah, I feel like also The Patriot would be a good one. He has a lot of applicable skills, you know? Yeah. Um, He also wants us to compare this to any other Mad Max film I've seen, especially Fury Road. Uh, you've, you're going to be, the first one is bullshit. The first one's bullshit. Uh, I, so what's intriguing about Thunderdome is I don't remember a lot about it other than it had Tina Turner and like a crazy, almost a running man esque fight in this, the Thunderdome. Uh, um, but Roger Ebert gave, uh, the road warrior 3.5 stars. He gave Beyond Thunderdome four stars and just went on and on how how it's the best movie in the trilogy and it has the best vision and the most imaginative visuals and the most spectacle. And like I'm kind of now really wanting to see Thunderdome. But I I don't – it's hard to say that Fury Road is better because, again, Mad Max is barely in it. He is this Hmm. kind of secondary character to um, Charlize Theron's Furiosa. Okay. And her whole cadre of of women in that film. Um, so I, it's got in more. It's got more modern visuals. It's got even more impressive stunts. But is it a better film? I don't know. I don't hmm. know. To me, so to me, it comes down to where you come, where where do you come down on the feral kid? I didn't like the feral kid. Let's talk about the feral kid. Yeah. I thought the feral kid was distracting. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's like I hate digging on uh, kid actors, but I don't know. Like, I guess he's better than he could have been. He could have been like an absolute shit show, but he's a feral yeah. kid. It's, it's, it's every time he's on screen, it, it kind of took me out of the moment. It's totally ridiculous. It, it made me chuckle a lot during this film. And I don't know that that was out of place necessarily. There's a lot of like kind of funny things in here, like the the helicopter, the gyrocopter captain, right? He's ridiculous. He's over the top. Uh, but I, I felt like I the feral him, kid was in the same category. Yeah, I don't know why I bought the gyro captain as a believable post-apocalyptic well, character. He, but he the... a had dialogue <laughs> that he could understand his motivations. Whereas this kid, I don't know how he a becomes. Like he is right now. Yeah. I guess just neglect, right? Like a kid is born, we feed him and we let him do whatever the fuck he yeah, wants. We throw wants. scraps at him to feel sorry and we try to keep him from pissing on our. We sharpen a boomerang for him. Yeah. And let him go to town. Yeah. Uh, and then I imagine like what this kid grows up to be later on in this universe. 
Well, he's a, nor- I, I he's a monster, looked, right? Because, he's yeah. a fucking lunatic. I think I found this. Yeah, he might be humongous 2.0. Exactly. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is that – or distracting is I kept looking at this kid and I'm like, what do you do when you grow up and realize the full impact and implications of being cast as the feral kid? <laughs> because okay. he's a normal-looking adult, thank God. Yeah, yeah, he is. But in this movie – He's fucked up. <laughs> He's got weird kind of sharp teeth. He's got this shock of orange hair. He's dirty all the time. He's making uh-huh. these animal the faces. little face. Uh-huh. Maybe he's like an awesome actor. Could be. But it's a ridiculous role. And that's the one thing like that Mad Fury Road has going for it. It doesn't have anything like that ridiculous gotcha. thing. Yeah. It doesn't have... I'm not saying it doesn't have humor because it does have a little bit, but there is nothing that like took me out of the moment of this world where I'm like, wait a second. So I kind of want to yeah. say Fury Road is better, but okay. it's also competing with a movie that's almost 30 years old. Um, I'm actually more amazed that George Miller at age 70 is able to crank out something that badass than I am yeah. at anything else. Like, you know, being able to throw a 90 mile an hour f- f- fastball at mm-hmm. 70. Yeah. Jesus, George. <laughs> The other thing that really surprised me about this movie, given Mad Max 1, and maybe it's a direct result of Mad Max, is that he didn't... Mel Gibson's character, Mad Max, does not have a love interest in this. And I thought, watching through this thing, there's this blonde. There's this, like, Amazon yeah, sure. woman within yep. this this refinery community. I thought they were going to go down that road and and say, okay, Mad Max is going to hook up with this girl. No. No, yeah. not even a hint of it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's more of a hint that the gyrocopter captain is some kind of weird, rapey pedophile than <laughs> than the Mad Max has any kind of sexuality whatsoever. Well, I think mean, that's where I, I talked about the childlike animal intensity. Like, he is so damaged that, I mean, maybe he'd have, yeah. like, sex the way Conan the Barbarian would have sex as, like, okay. just, a, just a taking care of a physical need. Uh-huh. But for him to have a kind of a relationship like that would imply that he's healed beyond what he's capable of in this setting. Yeah, because the first let... one, like, his girlfriend's killed on a sure. bike, and yeah, I mean, it's right. just a rampage after his, that. His partner, I mean, it's, like, everything, like, just slam after slam. That's the other thing about the first Mad Max. I don't buy a post-apocalyptic police department. Ah, uh, get where like him being mm, a former yeah. police, like may, I mean, they didn't do a good job of selling that. Like, there's enough remnants of civilization that you can have an effective road police force. Yeah, I'm with you. Where like I totally believe that as a former cop, you, you know that that's what he was in his old life. You know, he's almost like a Rick Grimes character. Mm-hmm. Like that is 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 very easy for me to connect to. Yeah. So Mel Gibson or Tom Hardy, again, since Tom Hardy had so little to do, and he seems to be really channeling Mel Gibson in the same way that like Ewan McGregor was channeling Alec McGinnis or not, sorry, Alec Guinness. Yeah. Uh, in his Obi-Wan Kenobi portrayal, I have to give Mel Gibson. He's the original. Sure. Uh, what would Tom Hardy do if he was asked to play Mad Max without that reference, like without the three movies that he could watch and, and kind of study the performance and get into the mind of the character. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be cool. But I can't say that because that's not the reality we live in. So I'd have to give Mel Gibson uh, as the best portrayal. All right. Just like you give Arnold Schwarzenegger the nod over Adrian Brody. <laughs> right? Uh, it's, it's the same way. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. Uh-huh. Um, but it's funny because like when we, we got this off Amazon, 
And when it started up, it's like you bought the high def because it's essentially like retelling the old the first movie through a bunch of clips. And the aspect ratio is fucked oh, up. Yeah, and the, yeah. like the film quality is bad. I'm like, oh, man, I'm starting to have a real bad feeling about this. But then from that point on, like it completely delighted me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to watch this again. I want to watch Beyond Thunderdome. And then I want to watch... Is Fury Road out on deep Blu-ray yet? I haven't seen it anywhere. I haven't bought a Blu-ray for, well, since like the, a non-kids Blu-ray since like Guardians of the Galaxy. This might be one of the ones I actually get physical media for. I mean, I'm just waiting for the HBO, uh, the, the inevitable moment when HBO takes it. Right. But see, you don't watch the bonus stuff. I love, on yeah, that's I why really. I buy Blu-rays. It's not just because you can't get you know, I don't care how good your cable company is um, or how good the rip you download for the internet. You can't beat a really good Blu-ray for, for just a yeah, pristine Yeah, what the fuck image. are we doing, man? It's 2015 and we can't get commentaries on this shit on streaming services? Right. It's just another audio track. I Put get it. Put it in there. I get it. But yeah, I I got I want the commentaries. I want the behind the scenes. Yeah. I want the actor yeah, interviews. I can imagine that this would be a pretty fascinating commentary with Jordan Sure. Miller. Sure, if he's Get on, him it, on the track, I mean, assuming, yeah, that would be. I can't imagine that he wouldn't be right. Like the first Mad Max film in thirty years, and he's not going to comment about it. <sighs> well, I'm the process really or something. Actually, kind of curious to see, like, if I buy this on Blu-ray. Interestingly enough, I can get the Road Warrior for nine ninety nine. Would you going do that through Amazon.ballmove.com? Amazon. <laughs> Fuck you! Hell yeah! <laughs> I was gonna do it if you didn't know. It's a collector's edition. I'm trying to see what the special editions are. Because um, like, if he did one for the collector's edition, I'm sure he would do it for the others. Why is it so hard yeah. to find out what all special features are on this shit? I don't know. I feel like nobody cares about special features. But well, am I the only person that likes special features? To me, that's the only reason yeah. to still buy physical media. It's it's uh-huh. not only because it's it's slightly superior v- version. Oh, by the way, um, it looks like Fury Road is available on Blu-ray. Yeah, so I, I looked it up. It doesn't look like any of the old stuff have commentaries for hmm. the by the director. It's like the com- art director, which might be interesting. Director of photography, which would be interesting. The special effects guy, but nothing from the actual man himself. Something else I just found out that uh, Fury Road just was released, according to Amazon, today, September 1st. Well, this is September 2nd now, but okay. it just, that's, wow. that's why I haven't heard. Um, and I don't see any information on commentaries about this stuff either. Special f- features. Hmm. Well, I'm hoping that he'll have something to say. You know, the first three were made in a time when commentaries didn't really exist. You'd have to come back and re-record it. And yeah. I could see him be like, Fuck and so all you that can stuff. get like an art director or there's a ton like that, of special but... features that look like they're making of and like, you know, historical commentaries. And I'm sure that he's Sweet. got some kind of interview in there. I would hope so. But yeah, I, I want. I, I now want to watch. I want to go like uh, have a movie night and do the Road Warrior, uh, mm. Thunderdome, and then I know Fury Road is badass. So even if Thunderdome sucks, and it's a rare Roger Ebert thing I disagree with, it's it's still gonna clear my palate with with the awesome the awesomeness that is Fury Road. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to say about this? Eh, not really. I, okay. I thoroughly enjoyed my experience with the Road Warrior. Even though I went in thinking I'm probably going to hate this because I hated Mad Max, I was slightly surprised at how much dialogue, and not that there was a lot, but like there is so little dialogue that Tom Hardy has in a new one oh, that huh. when Mad Max actually spoke for several sentences at points, I was like, "Whoa, this is hmm. 
this is interesting. Yeah. But that happens like late in the movie too. Like, I feel like that's kind of the point where he shifts his allegiances to just purely his own to like, no, I'm kind of committed to helping these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think the twist at the end was pretty cool where, yeah. you know, they drive off in this big, Max drives off in this oil tanker and you're thinking, oh, there's all the gas. Mm-hmm. And they finally bust it open and sand pours out. And oh, the the bus had all the gas on it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. That's cool for, for the coming. 80s. Right. Uh, which is another like you know Mad Max. Maybe he's he's going to be less likely to trust people the next time. Could be. <laughs> Wait, are you, so you don't think Mad Max was in on that that idea? Mm, oh, I know. I, I thought I, he I, was. I, I, I interpreted that as the desert people fucking him over. Oh, using see, him. I thought he was in on it, and he was saying, "I will draw them away while you guys go out the back to help you out even further." Oh, see, now I. <laughs> Okay. No, I thought that's way too altruistic for him. You think so? Like, if it wasn't for the gas, it's like, you know, he, he wouldn't... Uh, so, I yeah, I don't know. No, I need... God damn it. Yeah, I don't remember the details well enough to be Shoot. sure. Shoot. Well, like I said, I'll rewatch it, and that's something that we can debate with people in the forums at forums.baldmove.com. Yeah. But Anthony B. Basish, I hope I'm not uh, screwing up your name. Uh, thank you for commissioning this. You mm-hmm. have completely changed. You have turned the franchise around in my mind. I'm yeah. glad that uh, uh, you had to be. I, I I wonder if he was nervous about that because, like, we talked a lot of shit about the first Mad Max. Oh hell yeah! Uh, and we're pretty dismissive about uh, Thunderdome and all that. I wonder if he was like, maybe these guys just will think it sucks. But no, I I think it's like top five '80s movie, '80s action movie easily. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. All right, well, thanks for that. Uh, if you want to go see how you can commission your very own podcast, make us watch your favorite movie and talk about it. Uh, you can go to baldmove.com slash shop, click on the big uh, movie reel image, and it'll set you up it'll tell you how it all works. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for your support, Anthony. And we will be back sometime in the future with yet another commission podcast because we've got like eight in the hopper right now. Yeah. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. I'll see you later. Bye.